Suns insider Kellen Olsen joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olsen, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. All right. I just saw Kellen and Zim, Kevin Zimmerman, walking back in from the podcast studio. So I can only presume a new Empire of the Suns post-All-Star break edition will be dropping very soon. Hi, Kellen. Yes. Hey. Yeah, it's content day, baby. Hello. So you were recording one today? Yeah, we have one. It'll be up in a few hours, I imagine. Okay, cool, cool. Um, You wrote an article today at ArizonaSports.com, and we had penciled it in on our show sheet to talk about it a couple of times because it was really, really good. Sweet. And one of the times we thought we'd talk about it with you because you wrote it, and it was about how the Suns can certify elite status after the All-Star break. Do you mind if we run through this point by point so we can talk about the ways in which the Suns can get better? Let's do it. You ready to do this? Let's go one by one. As long as you guys want to, I want to. We do. Um, stay healthy, number one. And, I mean, that part goes without saying, obviously, but I really like the fact that you focused in on Bradley Beal needs to stay healthy. Explain to everybody why his health is so essential here. Yeah, because he's been the guy to miss the most time, and I think that if Yusuf Nurkic misses 10 or 12 games, it would be bad for the Suns in the present, but in terms of like their future outlook and how they gelled as a team, he's been out there long enough now with the team over these 50-55 games where he's been able to build continuity and chemistry with a lot of guys on the team. I think Duran and Booker to a certain extent have gotten there. Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon have gotten there to a certain extent, but Beal has been the one guy where he hasn't been able to get that time. So I think that much like Durant last year, like you can't have that three to six week injury somewhere in here because I think he really needs this time to gel and and really just start to look like Bradley Beal, Gambo, because in my I, I ranked players in the in the offseason to make sure when I was saying this, I believed it. And I believe it. He's a top 30 player in the league. And Suns fans watching him this year for the first time probably wouldn't agree with that statement. It's there. We just need to see it. And guess what? We see it. He plays like it for six games, breaks his nose. Plays like it for three games, tweaks his hammy. Like I think it was like 40 points, 30, and 27, and then he tweaks his hamstring. It's like he just needs to stay healthy. It's obvious if Booker or Durant go down, they're not going anywhere. Sure. Do you think that they can – get to the NBA Finals if either Beal or Nurkic goes down? No. I think they need all, all seven of them. Of okay. their, I, I'll go even further. Like Grayson Allen, Grayson Eric Allen. Gordon, and Royce O'Neal. They need everyone healthy to make it to the Finals. Yeah. Come playoff time. But but you're mm-hmm. saying in the setup before the playoff, like if, if Durant misses a couple of games here or there, if Booker misses a couple of games here, it's fine. fine. They've all played together enough that you can rev that chemistry back up, but they're still working on that with Bradley. Yeah, Beal. if you pull up the schedule right now and look, though, like the beginning of March would be a bad time for them to miss a couple of games. The end of the last 10 games of the season are really tough. Like there are certain pockets where it would hurt them a lot more in the near side, but the far side, no, I think we're good. And that's what, what the uh, piece was focusing on. All right. So the next thing they can do to certify elite status, according to Kellen Olson, who joins us here in studio, and that is better math. And I'll just set this up by saying, I thought your numbers about how the Suns in their losses, when they lose basketball games, they're still one of the best shooting teams in the NBA. They're still one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA. Where they lose is that the other team just puts up more shots than they do. And we talk about this all the time. They run into the math problem that is baked in with the turnovers and the offensive rebounds and all those things that give the other team all those extra shots. Yeah, Gambo, it's when you pull up the box score after three quarters and you look and it's like 13. 
three point makes it's like nine to three, and you're like, ooh, yeah, like that's, that, that's an eighteen point difference. That's really tough. They got to make up for that in this next quarter. Like yeah. you just can't win basketball games like that. Or when you're turning the ball over too much, or when you're giving up too many offensive rebounds. And yeah, the numbers you mentioned, I looked up by every team when they lose in games when they lose all of their numbers and their rankings in those numbers, like. 29th in turnover percentage, which means they're in losses. They're turning the ball over nearly more than anyone else in the league, but they're shooting the ball pretty well in these losses. You look at the Celtics, the Nuggets, other contenders, like they're shooting 32% from three when they lose. It's pretty obvious a correlation there. The Suns, they're top five in three point percentage among those teams when they're losing. So the numbers just sort of back up what we've been talking about with the math. And I think that to to transition that into another part of the piece, um, I think an easier way for that to happen, let me know if you agree, Gambo, is like going smaller. I think if they go smaller, they'll get up more threes. I think they'll turn the ball over less. The rebounding is where I'm like, ah, maybe you do too much damage there, but I think they got to change up the lineups a bit. Yeah, and it's this matchup oriented, right? It's always matchup oriented. Do you feel like they've Vogel has pushed taking more three-pointers. For a long time, they were in the bottom third of teams t- of the amount of threes they took, and that's where that math didn't work. Have you seen a difference? Do you feel like they're starting to, I don't want to say force more threes, but just take more open threes? I feel like there's been commitment here and there, but it's been lacking and it hasn't been consistent because what do we hear in the sound bites that you guys play on the show the next day after the game? When they play with pace, when they play with threes, what do Grayson, Devin, Kevin, they say, I like how we played with pace. I like how we got a threes. It's one of the first things that they mentioned that they do well, but then there are games when they don't do it and they're like, yeah, we need to do it more. And it's, we're 55 games into the season and we're still talking about this. So it's a problem and they got to change some things to try to fix it because what they're doing right now is not working because if you just give up that... It, the West is too good, Gambo. You can't just be giving away points like this the way that they are. All right, let's jump ahead since you kind of did a little bit. Um, this was number four on the the list of things to do for the Suns to really grow to elite status. Explore small ball further. How I how how much more further do you think they should take it in these final twenty seven games, and how much of it is to Gambo's point matchup dependent? It ties into our conversation that we had last week following the Kings game and Royce O'Neal and just how he unlocks everything. Um, something Kevin and I just talked about. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Like, do you think that Royce O'Neal needs to close games for this team? And if you answer yes, or sometimes, who's sitting? Grace Allen's not sitting. The big three are not sitting. That's it. That's five I'd guys. Sit, I'd sit Gordon because I think he's a defensive liability well, out there. In well, it's time. like you would have to either go small or you would have to sit one of the. Yeah, you'd have to sit Gordon, but you'd be at Allen in the big three already. So there's only one spot left, and that's Nurkic or O'Neal, basically. Like, yeah. That's it. So I do think that O'Neal and what he does on both ends of the court really opens things up for them there. Dribble penetration is their weakest part of their defense that all of those guys can you you can go by all of those guys you can go by Eric Gordon Grayson Allen you can go by Booker you can go by Durant you can go by Nurkic it's probably their one weakness is if teams want to attack the basket they're going to do that I look at a team like the Dallas Mavericks remember when they would start Powell at center and then they would come in with Maxi Kleber and then have Dorian Finney-Smith and that kind of they didn't they didn't start you know, they would start Powell and just, okay, try to see what you can give. They wanted to do the same thing with JaVel McGee. Come in and start, play, play a little bit, and then we'll go to our smaller lineup. And they had some success with that. My vision is that Warriors game where Draymond just, like, got the better of Nurkic completely over that stretch. It's like, if you play that stretch back two months from now, you would go small to end the game. Now, there was some stuff there where you want to stand by Nurk, let him see out the matchup. There was some extra stuff brewing there, obviously, that factored into the decision, I'm sure. But to the other end of the... Spectrum, 
the end of the Kings game, you put Sabon or uh, I'm sorry, you put Nurkic back in, and he makes like a half dozen plays to help you win the game. Yeah, so there's a balance. Yeah, there, there's there's a balance, and I, and I think what I like is is maybe more than at any point in the last couple of years, the Suns have the roster flexibility within a game, within a week, within a month to do both. Right. Like I, I feel like for the first time, certainly since last year, they have a kind of roster that is set up that if they want to go small, they can go small. They know what the liabilities are, but they can do it. If they want to go big, they can go big. They know what the liabilities are, but I think they can kind of do a little bit more of a mixing and matching. Look almost like Milwaukee a- in the NBA finals against them. What did the Milwaukee do to win the finals? Took out their center and they went with Giannis at the five. Yeah, they brought uh, him out early. They brought him in those late first quarters and they demolished them over that time. Remember how hypothetical we talked about like Tory Craig at the five or Kevin Durant at the five last year? It can't be hypothetical anymore. It's got to be something that's been proven in the regular season that you can turn to and we need to see more of but it. But that's what I like about Frank Vogel over Monty. Exactly. Yeah. There's a willingness to try that now to see how it works and when it works. Have to. And Monty didn't really do that all that. He just didn't seem that committed to trying it in the regular season the way Frank is committed to trying it. It to be a last-ditch effort. Yeah. yeah. All right, leave us with this one, last one. Uh, my eyes tell me the fourth quarters have been better as no. of late. Your numbers are saying, no, the fourth quarters have not been better as of oh, late. They've and actually been to get slightly better, worse. Which blows me away. Crazy. Been, right? Because my eyes are telling me, oh, yeah, they've been better in the There's fourth quarters. There's a number quarters. of games where they've been even with other teams. Sure. But they're also, they've been they've had the lead in a bunch of these games, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the 14 and 15 stretch, uh, comparing those numbers to the 19 and 7 stretch in the fourth quarter, the numbers are pretty much identical. And as you know, the 14 and 15 stretch, historically bad fourth quarters these last 27 games can they be top 20 in net rating in the fourth quarter just top 20 i'm not asking top 10 top 5 just top 20 can you be below average in the fourth quarter if they can't i'm not going to pick them to win a playoff series i can't do it to you, win a playoff series don't care who going, they're playing going you need into to win the postseason you need to be able to win in the fourth quarter if they don't finish with a top 20 net not rating in these last 27 games okay wow not doing you won't it. pick them kevin durant could be averaging 40 points a game i'm not doing I, it I, there's a lot of reasons to why they have these fourth quarter woes. A yeah. lot of reasons. Turnovers, not having a true point guard. I think fatigue's a factor. They've had a lot of heavy minutes on their main guys. And there's games that they should have won and been able to rest these guys like they did against Detroit. They rested everybody in four. They haven't been able to do that very often this year. I know we got to go to break, but seven-game series. How many of those games are close in the fourth quarter? Five? Six? Yeah. Almost, Every single one? Almost all of them. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's it. All right, Kellen. Even uh, if you're up 15, they cut it to six. How do they respond? If you want to read more in depth about this, go to ArizonaSports.com. That's where you'll find Kellen's piece. We made it the centerpiece of our conversation with him. He's also got his podcast, Empire of the Suns, dropping a little bit later today. Kellen, as always, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming by. Thank you.